Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And I am Rachel, my pronouns are they, them. We're now heading towards the Royal Worry Tournament, but before we get there, we have to go through everything that happened in July, including exciting tournament preview matches, great six-man tags, and that Triple Crown match. So let's get into it. Day one was on the 9th of July at Yokohama Radiant Hall. The show opened with a tribute to the recently deceased Masashi Aoyagi. Wada held up his photo he had wrestled for FMW. Yoshitatsu kicked off summer action series with a win over Black Manso Ray in 6 minutes and 11 seconds. Yusuke Kadama and Izanagi wrestled to a 10-minute draw. I thought this was okay, but I just want to point out there's been so many draws lately, and this isn't even the final draw of the tour. They have been utilizing draws a lot lately. And I don't know, I think I've said it before on the show. I don't know what it is, but I have like a mental block to draws. I don't think that they can happen until they happen. So I'm the opposite. I was getting to a point in this tour where I was expecting a draw at a certain point. We'll talk about it later. But uh, there were a couple matches where I was like, oh, this will probably be a draw. And then it wasn't. And I got surprised. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's definitely become a trend. But um, yeah, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll see what match it was that really took me off guard for not being a draw. I thought that this draw in particular was interesting because at this point in the month, Izanagi was waiting in the wings for that world junior heavyweight title shot. So I didn't really know what the implications meant for Kodama, if anything, but this was a very entertaining match between the two of them. Kodama was doing the most, like faking that random injury to confuse and lure Izanagi into that pin attempt was particularly ingenious. So I did enjoy this little match actually. Shoto Ishino and Riki Honda defeated Shuji Ishikawa and Takao Amore after 11 minutes. This was a bit of mat work, a bit of submission work, and a whole lot of beef. It was so fun. Very good work from the champs. I feel like Honda sometimes has a bit of trouble with his finisher, especially on heavier opponents like Suji. I think maybe he needs a second one, like maybe a submission or something, but that's how I feel about it. That's a good point. I think Honda with a submission would actually be a really good look for him. So yeah, yeah. I would totally want to see that. But I also really enjoyed this. I love Takawa Mori giving Honda shit. I think that's awesome. I, I really enjoy them, their interactions together. Amori working against Ashino in this was also really, really mm-hmm. great stuff. Their interactions were also excellent. Ashino with those uppercuts and Amori with the slaps. Super cool. Just really fun, super solid. And then enjoyed Honda getting the pin here as well. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job sort of splitting up the teams here. Um, Really liked uh, Ishikawa with Honda as well. Both of them were great beating up Honda. And then the finishing stretch was really good. That's what I had written down as well. I really, really enjoyed it. So it was a really good match. Up next, Yuma Aoyagi defeated Hokuto Amare in 13 minutes and 17 seconds. These two are just a bunch of children. 
I don't think they've ever had a 100% serious match. It, they're just not capable of it. It was lots of messing with the hair and the referee's hair as well and low blows. I did like Omore shouting D4C, which is Jake Lee's finishing move and tempting <laughs> one of his own. And his dragon suplex was like a thing of beauty. I'm with you. That that dragon suplex is such a strong point of his arsenal. It always looks good. Just just really good stuff. This was a very entertaining match. You alluded to them grabbing each other's hair. And then Yuma had to, of course, grab the ref's hair. So great. Just so funny. These two have a very interesting dynamic. And it's always fun to watch them work against each other. And like I was saying a moment ago, Omori was particularly impressive in this. He really rose to meet Yuma at his level. So that in and of itself makes this worth watching. I don't like rest bumps. I've talked about this extensively before on the show. You know how I feel about those. But Yuma and um, Hokuto Omori at least made this really funny and enjoyable. There's, I can make allowances somewhere, I guess. But yeah, this was this was super good. And um, I was musing in my notes, apparently, that I can't imagine they're not going to eventually utilize Omori at heavyweight at some point when he looks this good going up against Yuma. Hikari Sato and Suama ended in a no contest after Wada got sick of Suama's crap and threw the match out. Suama basically had two opponents in this match, Sato and Wada. <laughs> this was a bit of a brawl. Chair shots, guardrails, and even Sato's purple belt became a weapon. Wada was majorly favoring Sato here, letting him use a chair, giving Suama a super slow count. After this, Suama has declared Wada an old referee and enemy of voodoo murders. <laughs> Being Kohei Wada is suffering. <laughs> what a match. What an incredible match. I really, I actually really did love this. As far as like interference heel matches and like voodoo murder isms, I really thought this was fun because the comedic timing of all three of the uh, competitors, if you will, was uh, really phenomenal. I actually really, really liked uh, Sato getting the jump on Suwama running around um, to like running around the whole venue to get a jump on him. And then uh, the belt was also really, really good. I just, I really loved this little, this little match. It was very funny and just very, uh, very all Japan house show in a incredibly complimentary way. (laughs) Just enjoyable. For sure. I think Wada really set the tone with that double take when he realized Sato had left the ring before Suama (laughs) came out of the curtains. That was so, so good. And I can't believe that Wada, at his big age, put himself through that bump for Kohei Suama. I can't believe he did that. They have to be careful because I I do think that sometimes Kento can be a little even rough with Wada in terms of how he handles him. They got to be very careful with Wada because Wada is not a young man anymore. But I couldn't believe that um, Wada took like two big bumps in that match. He was bumping. Yeah, he He was was bumping bumping. for Suwama. So unbelievable. But like, like, I completely agree with Rachel. I mean, this was just very entertaining, very funny. It was really like we don't we really haven't gotten too much of Suwama and Sato, and this is not this is nothing like their previous match together. I mean, this is very much like voodoo murder Suwama, but this was still really entertaining. It, it kind of furthers their um, these little stories that Suwama has going with many people on the roster right now. So I liked it. I was very happy to see this. New Japan's Tiger Mask and Kosei Fujita defeated Dan Tamura and Ryo Inoue in ten and a half minutes. It was nice to see Dan finally get away from all the voodoo murder stuff for a bit. 
Inoue and Fujita continue their rivalry from the All Japan New Japan joint show. And Fujita is so jacked and only 19 years of age. Fujita is a very, very talented young man. It's crazy how young he is as well. But yeah, this was a very good little match. I thought that anyway, and Fujita in particular did a really nice job with each other. Very strong work. Dan diving through the ropes in this was a great little, um, a great little move for him. He just looked incredibly confident in general. And that's kind of the nice thing about Dan recently. He just looks a lot more confident than he has in a while. So you can really see that here. And I'm just really proud of how Dan has kind of stepped up recently. I talked about in other episodes about being concerned he would kind of get swallowed up in some of this like voodoo murder stuff Mm -hmm. and not really come out the other side from it in a good place but haven't really seen a lot of that so far we'll see how these storylines kind of come to their their peak and their close but it's it like jesse said it was really nice to be able to get him to step away from some of that voodoo murder stuff for a change and then get into some matches where we could really see what dan has been learning lately and you really do get a sense of that here Main event time, we had Jake Lee and Asuki Yoyagi defeat Kento Miyahara and Rising Hayato after 16 minutes. This was so, so good. You put these four in a tag and it's going to be great. Jake versus Kento is one of my favorite rivalries and Asuki versus Hayato is a new rivalry that I'm really digging. I like Kento just walking around the ring screaming Hayato while Jake had him in a Boston crab. Oh, yeah. It's just peak Kento. He's been doing that so much lately. I just love it. He's such a loud man. <laughs> he's overwhelming with some of the like coaching he's, and the screaming <laughs> he's getting louder I yeah. think you're right Jesse he's getting louder but this match was I mean this is like the golden ticket match this is like you said we've got the best established rivalry and in my mind the best upcoming rivalry with uh, Otsuki and Hayato I thought they were phenomenal I really thought that they sh- were the ones who shine this match. I say this every single month, every time those two are across from the ring with, from each other is like, oh yeah, they're the ones who shine the brightest, but they always do. They always bring it. It's crazy how good they are. It's crazy how fast <laughs> these exchanges are getting. Like it's getting to a point where the next time they're in a ring together, we might not be able to see them. It's just going to be blue and red blurs <laughs> coming at each other. But uh, no, I, I thought this match was stupendous. And clearly the most important storyline of the day was Atsuki winning Jake's affection and getting him to call him his brother. (laughs) So that was like a big thing with this match. So that was absolutely lovely, obviously. Um, I really do love, I've said this before, I love that when Jake can go against someone like Hayato, he can do like the big man spots with, with Hayato. Those come across really, really well. And for some reason, those two just work together um, super well. I really loved a lot of their work together in particular. A lot of these all Japan, like four man, six man, whatever, like these tag match stuff, you get a lot of like the highlights and why you should be watching all Japan in these matches. And I feel like this was another like really good example of that. Kento was cursing a lot in this one too. He's a menace. And I really love that feint that Jake does when um, he puts his hands up and he makes like someone stop before he then like usually like he'll use a forearm into their chest. For some reason that looks the best with Kento because Kento sells that so well. That looked really, really good here in particular, but like it was just a really fun main. And like I said, it's just the highlights from all four and what makes these matchups really exciting every time and like why I don't get bored of them. Day two was on the 14th of July at Corican Hall. 
In the opener, Suji Ishikawa, Takao Amore, and Ryo Inoue defeated Yoshitatsu, Izanagi, and Masanobu Fuchi in eight minutes. I don't care if a backdrop later in the show won someone a championship, Fuchi had the best backdrop of the day. Fuchi um, almost immediately trying to dip on this match to avoid. Fuji was also incredibly funny. I loved that. And I was really excited about like the way that Takao Amori looked here because for a little bit, I think he was struggling with a bit of a shoulder injury, but he looks, he looks really good right now. So that was exciting. And that would be important to some announcements we'd get for later on in the show. In his debut match with the company, Cyrus destroyed Black Mento Ray in less than two minutes. This was basically a squash match. The crowd and people online seem to like him, which is a good sign. I don't know how long he'll be sticking around, but he is in the Royal Road tournament, so at least until August. Hikaru Sato and Yuji Nagata defeated Kento Mihara and Rising Haito in 12 and a half minutes. Kento is an absolute madman here, copying Nagata's salute <laughs> on every single chance he got. And like in recent months, Haito stole the show. He has been so good recently and he's improved heaps since signing at the start of the year. Even in losing efforts, he looks so good. Teaming with Kento would have to have helped him. I see so much of Kento in him in the way that he performs. I think that he has learned a lot through being around Kento. And Kento is, I think, always in the dojo. So I would imagine that he's always learning something from Kento, but I agree with all of your sentiments, Jesse. I, I do appreciate that Kento is being committed to uh, this this shit with Nagata, like just to being as weird as possible. I do appreciate that. It's interesting. I, I think the stuff with Kento and Nagata is really good. I'm interested to see where that potentially can go. I have very specific stipulations about where that can and <laughs> should go. We'll see, but I am interested in it. They're very entertaining. And this was good. This was the right length. And like Jesse said, Hayato is the star of the show as he has been for much of what he's been in for the last couple months now. Yeah, I really like the comeback spots with Hayato against Nagata. I thought they looked really good. He had a really good fighting spirit. Yeah, like I said, it was just very much a Hayato showcase match. And uh, Kento was utterly feral, like completely unhinged. It was <laughs> it was very funny. Um, I'm, I'm also looking forward to seeing more of those two together, but I'm very interested to hear about your stipulations. I'm sure we'll get to that towards the end of the episode. <laughs> we have new all-Asia tag champs as the Voodoo Murders team of Minoru and Toshito defeated Hokuto Amore and Yusuke Kodama in 15 minutes. This was good, but as soon as Voodoo Murders were announced as the challenges, I knew Amore and Kodama were losing. After we got past the weapons and the cheating crap, it was actually a pretty good match. Kadama and Amore have been wrestling like baby faces lately, and it worked well. Kadama getting the beatdown, Amore getting the hot tag. I'm not a fan of Toshizo two belts. The Agora TV title was treated like an afterthought for so long until Suji and Shigehiro Irie's reign, and now I feel like it may be treated like an afterthought again. Yeah, this was, um, I agree with you. I think this match was good overall. I think in particular, the, there was a lot of really great spots between Minoru and Kodama in particular. I think that they really shined in this. Something in my notes that was making me laugh before I had written, I don't understand Toshi's. And, and, I, and I don't. And that's not to be completely disparaging of him. It's interesting because I see a lot of fan reaction from All Japan yeah. fans and they really like him. And I mean, some of the, the first like several tweets that I translated when Toshizo, uh, when they won, when, when uh, Voodoo Murders won the belts, people were excited about two belts Toshizo. And I was like, 
wow, like this is like, this is just something that is missing for me personally. But again, like the match was good overall. I am disappointed that the Omori and Kodama lost. But I mean, at this point in the game with where we are with Voodoo Murders, is it surprising that we're going to see and we're, we're going to get into it? But is it surprising that we're going to see them pick up more belts as this, you know, kind of storyline like builds to a crescendo? No, it's not. So it kind of is what it is at this point. But yeah, it's fine. It was it was a good match, just sort of not what I hoped for, certainly. And I did enjoy Takawa Mori and Rio Inoue coming out to confront Voodoo Murders at the end. I love that little team. We'll talk about them more as the month goes on too. They're fantastic. But that was really, really, really cool. I'm just such a big Takawa Mori fan. I, I just love when he comes out. So it was like bonus Takawa Mori. Yeah, I like that... Uh... Takawamori always feels like one of the first responders when things get a little hairy, mm-hmm. like sort of a guardian of the promotion. It's just nice. Like it feels, yeah. feels organic, feels good to see. Yeah. I think Tojizo is just very good on mic. Um, <laughs> but I think that's sort of where I'm missing some of the appeal because I am very, very far from fluent, but he has a, a good ease and charisma when he's speaking. So I think people uh, really like that about him wrestling wise, not for me, but Minoru is very good. So the match was still, you know, it was still very enjoyable. There were some really great spots. I don't know. I think I just wanted them to lose the all Asia belts, I guess, to a bigger moment instead of having them because they had almost an ace run with these belts. Like the matches have all been great and um, they had them forever. So I was kind of hoping that when they handed them off, it would be a bigger moment rather than the heroes falling to the brand new villains, or I guess the old villains falling to meaner villains. Um, I don't know. It it fell a little flat, just the title change there. But uh, otherwise, I thought the match was fine. Yeah, they had the belts for 193 days. So just under two. A lot of defenses. Yeah. Participants and dates for the Royal Road was announced. We have a mini episode on that, so all the information you need is in that episode. Please go take a listen. In a preview match, T-Hawk, Al Linderman, and Shigehiro Irie defeated Shotaro Oshino, Ruki Honda, and Sego Tachibana in just under 11 minutes. This was a great match. It's what you expected from these two teams. T-Hawk's chops sounded so extra painful today. It was insane. The Larry exchange between Irie and Honda was crazy good. And of course, Ashina with his suplexes is always picture perfect. This match was great. I really love it. There's a really natural chemistry between all six of them. It was just a lot of fun. I didn't understand why this match wasn't for the six-man belts. I don't understand what's going on with those belts in general. I actually thought that it was at first, but then it turned out to just be an undercard. It is a phenomenal undercard. Everyone was really great. And then uh, T-Hawk and Ashino always have just really, really good chemistry together. So it was a great match. Some of the spots were uh, heavily gift on Twitter, uh, especially with El Lindemann and then uh, Ashino just walking over and delivering that beautiful little <laughs> suplex to him. It was, it was a very delightful match, just full of personality. Uh, yeah, other than the belt confusion, I thought this match was pitch perfect. Yeah, someone else on Twitter said to me, this is for the six-man belts. I'm just like, mm, it's just yeah, a I, preview match. Yeah, I had thought it was. I'm not sure what is going on there. but We need all... We need more preview matches. We need more of them. I, I mean, it was a great preview match. So previews to the previews. 
Previous to the previous. uh, In the second title match of the show, Tiger Mask defeated Dan Tamara to retain the junior heavyweight belt in 12 minutes. This was fine. I just don't care for this rain. Just waiting for it to end, to be honest. <laughs> I like that this was Dan's match, though. There was no Solano opposite him, no Sato in his corner. It was just Dan by himself, and I think he did such a good job, especially at the start. He just, like, burst out of the gate. He just had so much energy. The top rope Tiger Driver was a really scary moment. It kind of stunned the crowd into silence. Tiger Mark swins and moves on to Izanagi in the next show. I agree with everything that you said, Jesse. Dan and Tiger Mask didn't have a ton of chemistry. However, Dan really did. I think there were people that have been doubting Dan's ability to really like carry himself through these singles opportunities. And I think that Dan did prove people wrong. I think that he really did bring his best fight to this type of match. It was Dan's match. Um, It was his style of match. And he did show that you know, he can show up and, and perform well in these sorts of situations. It's just not the opponent that we would want for Dan. And that's kind of where this falls a little flat, but it was a fine match. And I think the length is probably what helped. Real Blood, Naoya Namore and Mizuki Watase defeated the Aoyagi brothers, Yuma and Aski. This was 11 minutes long. I absolutely love this match. Asuki and Watase looked poised to steal the show, but Namora and Yuma put a stop to that when they got their chance at each other. Even though Namora has said he has moved on to bigger targets like Jake and Kento, the feeling that this feud between him and Yuma is far from over. Also, I love the ending with Namora and Asuki. I thought they did so good. And that fancy pin that Asuki had on Namora was just so close to a three count. You can't get any closer than that. I was like jumping out of my seat watching that. Yeah, this match was phenomenal. There's another match we'll talk about towards the end of the month, but like it's just so nice to see Nomura in a ring with with these guys. I mean, it's just it's just so exciting. Yuma's drop kick to Nomura to start this off too was just really good. It set the tone right away for what this match would end up being. And those two were were nasty to each other. I mean, that's like so much of the appeal of Nomura right now is that he is just brawling and he is a bruiser and he is nasty. And Yuma was really getting into it with him. And I love that about the both of them. Watase and Atsuki worked extremely well off of each other. It was awesome to see them work against each other. The different pairings worked really well throughout the match and there were some really nice spots, but I just, I absolutely love this. I mean, I think anytime Real Blood is going to get into a ring, into an All Japan ring, it's going to be killer. Yeah, I have nothing really to add. Just Real Blood is so cool. <laughs> they just have this really classic coolness to them where you just you bite into them and they're just really good for each other, what they bring into the ring. Um, like I said, Watase might be a completely different wrestler from the one that I knew when he was in DDT. It's just very impressive to see. And uh, then... Nomura and uh, Yuma are just extremely brutal with each other. It's very heated and I'm very, very excited to see more of them very soon. So that's going to be wonderful. But uh, yeah, this was just a really great match. For me, something that was surprising was Real Blood's theme song, their entrance theme. I've never heard them come like their entrance theme before. So when they came to the ring and this music was playing, I was kind of surprised by it, but I do love it. 
Yeah, I like their whole music, their whole aesthetic, like their ethos. I like that they put their shirts on after the match. Like it feels very like rude and dismissive. Like, oh yeah, we just got our shirts back on. Okay, you know, business as usual, wipes their hands and gets out of the ring. Like, it's just cool. They're so cool. (laughs) Main event time and a third title match. Suwama defeated Jake Lee to win the Triple Crown Championship for a record eighth time literally breaking his own record. Twitter died when this match ended. It literally went down. (laughs) I tried to post something about how sad I was and it just wouldn't go through. I'm just like, what the hell is happening? Oh, I don't know where to start. I'm just so, so disappointed. I feel like I have to talk about the match. The only thing I want to mention though is the table spot where Suama threw the table into Mm -hmm. Jane. That scared me. That was was so nasty. It was so loud. And because he has just gotten over... Well, not just, it's, it's been a few months, but he, he broke his face in December. Yeah. The noise, it, it hit the table hitting him in the face scared the shit out of me, actually, for like two seconds. I could not imagine watching it live. I really couldn't, like how tense that was and um, just that match in general. The outcome's a bit of a bummer, <laughs> to put it mildly, to put it very mildly. I'm going to hand it over to Alicia because I know she has a lot of thoughts on this match and uh, we can piggyback off of that for sure because I know a lot of a lot of her thoughts are our own thoughts but I do want to say that outside of the outcome this match actually wasn't bad it was really cool to watch um, Jake's comeback spots and watch him try to like rise above the voodoo murderisms as I have taken to calling them I think my big complaint about this match I had mentioned before is that It felt like the outcome didn't match the story that the two wrestlers were telling. When you watch matches like this with just this incredible baby face who is deeply sympathetic with the audience, like Jake just is so good at connecting to the crowd. And it almost feels like when you see him overcoming this interference heel work, the story is going in that direction of, oh, well, he eventually overcomes it, right? right? And then it doesn't happen. And it really just lets the air out of the room. I think there are other ways to tell this story to match that outcome, but there was just a disconnect there. But other than the outcome itself, I actually thought that the match was, was good. They both work really well together. The tension was great. And like I said, Jake is just incredible at connecting to the crowd. You could just feel it in the, in the air. Hard agree with everything Rachel said. And I mean, Like, to be clear, this was the wrong result, but I have seen all sorts of comments from people discounting Jake's performance, which I actually find more disappointing than the result of the match. Jake came back from injury before the carnival, and it took him a minute to find his feet, but then he did, and I think this was a really good performance for Jake against this iteration of Suwama. Mm -hmm. And like, I think at points of this match, you could say that it was perhaps a little bit heel versus heel. However, Jake does go back into being that baby face champion in peril. And that's who the crowd gets behind. And you could see that in this match. And he was only overcome 
by the excessive cheating and outside interference from voodoo murders. I mean, he had this match won. He just couldn't yeah. overcome a 3v1 match in the end, which I think is understandable. But when, like Rachel was referring to, he rallied to try to come back against the odds. He looked great, and he kicked out multiple times before Suama put him away. I mean, that ending stretch was very impressive to me. Suama only beat Jake in this match because he had to cheat to win. And I think that messaging was purposeful from the company. And I think that messaging was abundantly clear as well. The one thing I will say about the blatant cheating, they were doing that so, so obviously in front of the ref and the ref was looking at them do it and not throwing them out of the arena, like Toshizo and Minoru, which to me was the dumbest part of how the match was booked. Like this stuff was not happening behind the ref's back. This was happening right in front of him. So he should have totally thrown them out, but they didn't do it like that. So that to me is like the worst part of how this heel stuff can be booked. I don't like that. That to me was kind of silly, but the match result made me super sad. I'm just going to say there's someone I follow on Twitter. Their, their name is Parker. They actually had this interesting tweet that um, all Japan has been so good this year that their results could genuinely bum them out. And that was a good thing because it means the results mean something. And I'm paraphrasing, but I took a lot from that because I was definitely feeling an emotional reaction to this result. And that can only be because all Japan has been so good in this year, but I'm going to talk at length now, bear with me about the, the reasoning and about all of this, I guess. And I, I do think I understand why this happened the way that it did. And I'm referring to everything from Jake winning the triple crown against Kento leading up to this loss to Suwama. If you look up translations of what Jake talks about, so much of his journey over the course of his career has been one of self-belief and, and struggling with self-belief. And I can understand why the appeal would be in not holding the belt for any long period of time, but being able to stand across the ring from Kento, not just as the winner of the match, because he's done that before. He's beaten Kento before. So it's not about the win inherently, but it's about being the person who took the triple crown from Kento, being the one who took the triple crown championship from the ace Miyahara Kento. Kento being who he is and having so much more privilege in many facets of life that Jake has never had, I can understand the appeal of that. And I can understand why that would mean more to Jake than the possibility that he would have a zero reign defense if he knew in advance, right? It's hard to say whether or not he knew and we're never going to know, but if he knew if that was how it was going to go, how could he not choose to have that moment finally, to be able to have that moment to stand across the ring from Kento and say, I defeated you for the triple crown championship. I deserve to be in this ring, having beaten you for this title. We are equals in this way now. And I think that would mean everything to him. And that would explain so much of his euphoria after that match, his pure joy and being able to have that moment that he chased for so long. And again, it goes back to that journey for him of self-belief. You can't survive in this industry without some degree of, of self-belief. And I think Jake is a very brave person generally. The odds he has had to overcome to be successful are tremendous, but he has always come back and he's chosen to come back. And I think it's important to point that out about him because Jake did walk away when he lost himself once before, but he's chosen to be there ever since. And he's chosen to rise again and again and again, despite the odds. This is also the component of this where if he knew how this was going to go and how they were going to book this and accepting the title from Kento would mean he'd lose it straight away to Suwama. If he refuses because he doesn't agree with the booking, if he gives up that opportunity to beat Kento for the triple crown, then there's a chance that this doesn't ever happen for him because wrestling is this really strange thing where Jake knows better than anyone that an injury can take you out of what you're doing when you least expect it. 
at the least opportune time. And there's never a good time for an in injury, but Jake knows better than anyone that you can be ripped out of a title reign over an injury. And we know just from the history of all Japan that so many meaningful moments or booking has been delayed for one reason or another, but then shit happens and it doesn't happen at all, or it happens much, much later than it should have happened under completely different circumstances. So if Jake knew that he was essentially making a choice, I'm always going to respect that he made this choice, defeating Kendo for the belt rather than holding the Triple Crown for a lengthy second reign for that reason alone. It's an industry where if you let an opportunity pass you by, it could literally never happen for you. Um, and just to wrap up my thoughts, I guess, I, I do not think that Jake is at risk for not being champion again. Um, I saw a lot yeah. of that on Twitter. He is the rightful champion. It's, it's literally like they told you that essentially in the booking of that match. I think Jake is being set up for a comeback story. Jake is still a draw as well, like point blank period. I mean, to be frank, I, I just don't think people who say this have an accurate read on his popularity within the company or with fans. I also have yet to come across a wrestler that Twitter told me was not a draw anymore or buried that didn't go on to win titles and be successful. So yeah. there is that as All well. While I will always want more for Jake and I would have booked the outcome of this match entirely differently. I am very grateful. We did get to see Jake defeat Kento for the triple crown and have a truly perfect moment in an industry that does not always give us those perfect moments. Jake was ultimately given a bit of true catharsis that he had been searching for his entire career. And that is more important than the short-term booking of voodoo murders. Just to touch on a couple of things Alicia did said, Jake is so popular. Like people don't understand. He's like number two behind Kento. And I think people are just watching pandemic era Jake and not realizing just how popular he is with the fans. Another thing I want to mention is what Jake said after the match on Twitter. Suama basically said, I threw you down to hell, Jake. Ha ha ha, like voodoo murders crap. Jake said on Twitter, I've been to hell before. I'll crawl my way back out again and I'll enjoy the scenery on the way up. And I absolutely love that. He's had some really powerful tweets over the last several weeks. Like the, the build from Kento and his triple crown match through this, this title challenge and even post this title challenge, there's probably some tweets we'll get into, not on this episode of Talking Triple Crown, but the next. <laughs> yeah. But his tweets have been very powerful, and he is certainly telling a story right now via his tweets. So if you are someone who's listening to Talking Triple Crown and you're very curious, start running his tweets through Deeple because he is definitely telling his own stories and he is using Twitter to do so. And the last thing I want to mention is that I know, Alicia, you saw this as well. The fans especially Japanese fans, were so negative. I've never seen so much negativity from the Japanese fans. It was kind of insane. Like, they love Voodoo Murders. Swama still loved. We can't say he's not. People still love Swama. But just the amount of negative negativity that came from this match was a bit overwhelming. Yeah, like, I was very surprised. You and I, Jesse, because Twitter broke. So you and I were discussing some of this on Discord. And then afterwards, when Twitter was back up again, and we were able to actually translate tweets I was surprised at how many I follow quite a few now like all Japan fans and Otsunekis and usually especially the Otsunekis they will usually not say a bad word against the company because they're very loyal to the company and they're very loyal to the wrestlers so they don't tweet in a negative way about the company however when Jake lost I was really surprised at how many of them were so genuinely upset at the result and like we're very measured in their response because they're not going to say things in um, 
a way that could be potentially like really offensive toward the company, but they did not like this result. And it was really interesting to sit with some of those responses because people did not feel like this was the right result and that Jake should have kept the triple crown. Day three was on the 18th of July in Osaka Surumi. This venue was actually pretty cool. I don't think All Japan has ever run a show in this venue. It was really cool looking. To open, Hokuto Amore and Yusuke Kadama defeated Yoshitatsu and Oji Shiba in under seven minutes. After this match, Amore and Kadama shook hands and in the backstage promo, Amore said he and Kadama were splitting up for the time being as they had new things they want to do. I like that no one got beat down. It was a very uh, mature breakup. It was just two guys who had a great all-age reign and just grew apart. I can't tell if I'm upset about the total eclipse stuff or if I'm like fine with, I I agree with you, Jesse. I think that it's actually refreshing in some ways that like in all Japan, we don't always get like these like really vicious, like breakups of these factions. And like, in some ways it's kind of nice, but Kokoto Amori is surprising me every day. Cause I'm going to go back to when like, you know, Mm -hmm. Honda rocked up and tried to join total eclipse. And he was like, no, get the fuck out of here. Like, he had no patience or time for that, but now all of a sudden he's like giving a lot of grace and he has said nothing about Jake teaming with the Ayagi brothers and all that stuff. So I'm just like slightly confused at why we're in like a very like long period of total eclipse is fine. I don't know what's going on with that. So anyway, that's just a long counterpoint to that, I guess. But yeah, that stuff is interesting. I did really like this match. I want to say I thought that Omori was hysterical when he was giving Yoshitatsu shit about, um, he was having the ref like check him for holding the tag rope. That was really funny in this. But yeah, Total Eclipse is a, a weird sticking point for me right now. Yeah, I'm with you, Alicia. I was actually a little disappointed. I, I guess I was hoping for more drama in the dissolution of this kind of thing. And Total Eclipse is in a really weird place, like you said. And I, you know, I'm actually fine with it sort of drifting apart, but it doesn't really feel solid. They're not really giving the storyline form. Um, and I get it in some ways being this cordial right now, the, the main enemy is voodoo murders. And so everyone's sort of getting along perhaps to unite the roster against voodoo murders. And I like that in a lot of ways. I like that, you know, everyone has recognized this common enemy and they're, you know, keeping themselves cordial. And perhaps once uh, VDM is gone, they'll go upon uh, at e- being at each other's throats another day. It's, it's interesting to think of it that way. But yeah, you raised a really good point with sort of this weird disconnect in the way that total eclipse came together versus how they're now falling apart. It seems almost too polite (laughs) and everyone seems okay with everyone just going off and doing their own thing with Jake and the Aoyagis is is another issue. But uh, as far as the match itself, it was very enjoyable and a really good opener. And I also second what you have to say about the venue, Jesse. I loved this venue. I thought it was so bright and sunshiny. It just matched the vibe of the entire promotion. Just nice and fun to watch. Great for the summer. So there are positive things here too. It's just uh, this sort of falling apart of Total Eclipse is leaving me a little, little cold, little confused. I might be wrong, but I feel like I read somewhere that this venue is new. 
because I oh. don't believe I've ever seen um, another promotion in it. And this was certainly the first time I've seen All Japan in it, I believe. So don't quote me on that, but I think this venue is new. Yeah, I remember reading that as well. Kuma Arashi defeated Black Mensa Ray in four and a half minutes. It was good to see Kuma back. The last time we saw him was all the way back in May. I think they made good use of their time. I liked the way they used the ramp compared to how other people in the show used the ramp that was off to the side. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see Kuma. Captain Lou in his most recent review of the show that he literally posted like on the second, so like yesterday, um, he <laughs> made a comment about how once we get rid of Nagata, we could probably get people like Kuma and <laughs> Koji oh, Joy back. And um, damn, like uh, that's so true, unfortunately. <laughs> I really want to see them you back. And I think um, to be fair, I think that part of why we're seeing like Total Eclipse in this weird limbo stasis is because we don't have people like Doi and Kuma there as well. So yeah, but this was fine. I loved Kuma being there, of course. It was like a nice quick match and like Kuma I think I'm gonna call the move a senton and I'm just gonna like preface this by saying that everyone should know by now that I'm not a moves guy but that senton that Kuma does off the turnbuckle always looked really good I did like that spot in this match up next Jake Lee Cyrus and Takao Amore defeated Ren Ayabe Suji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato in 10 minutes and 30 seconds I thought this was a really nice preview for the Royal Road everyone beside from Sato is actually in the tournament I would like for him to be in the tournament there are a couple of guys I would replace with him. <laughs> I I like Jake and Ayabe's interactions. I, I'm really looking forward to their match. We talked about this match a little bit in our Royal Road preview episode, but I enjoyed this. I think I literally retweeted 17 different photo sets from it because I was so obsessed with Jake Lee realizing that he's not the tallest person in a ring. With him and uh, Ren Ayabe, it was so sweet. It was just really funny. And I thought the thing that made it which I didn't really get to see until I actually watched the match was Nikon Lee's um, reaction to realizing that Ren was like taller than Jake was so effing cute I loved it I loved it but yeah this was good I really like the way that Ren and Jake work off of each other and I really like Ren Ayabe like I, I wish that he would be signed to All Japan because I feel like he is talented he just needs like polishing and probably like some consistency in a place like all Japan, if that makes sense. So that's what I've been thinking about when I've been watching him on these, these few shows that are leading into Royal road is that I really would like to see him in all Japan full time, but this, this, their interactions, Jake and Ayabe forced Jake into being like the mean senior, which was a good look for Jake. I thought he did a really good job in that role and Shuji versus Cyrus. What a natural program. Like, of course, that those two are going to lead off um, Royal Road against each other. I think that's going to be a really good showing for both of them. That's a type of match that all Japan fans are going to really like, no matter what. I think it'll be a good showing for Cyrus. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, nothing to add. I thought it was a very cute match. Um, I thought that Ren and Jake Lee, they surprised me with how fantastic they worked together. I didn't really expect that, but I would really 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 like to see more of uh Ren I know we say it every month in all Japan and I'm looking forward to that singles match it could very much be a uh first round match of the night sort of uh I guess sleeper hit people need to definitely keep an eye for that one and keep an eye on uh we'll talk about um Shuji and Cyrus later on too because they have some other really good previews 
but uh, definitely keep an eye on them too because they're sort of a uh, a match made in heaven meet heaven two uh two big beefs but no it's it's fantastic i think for ren ayabe him being in the royal Road tournament is a good sign mm-hmm. it'll be great if he would actually sign with the company he could even have a deal like hayato where he has a dual contract so he could work from just tap out and all japan and they do have signings in january he could be one of the people we sign they're going to have to uh custom tailor a tracksuit <laughs> for him <laughs> to, to get his legs in those uh le- legs in those pants but uh i think they can do it Zeus, bodyguard yumo yagi and askio yagi defeated ryu inue yuji nagata hikaru sato and dan tamara in over 14 minutes Hold a show in Osaka and you can bet good money that Zeus and the bodyguard will show up. I feel like a horrible, horrible fan because when Zeus and music hit, I'm just like, who is this? Because I haven't had his music in so long. I just couldn't remember. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Zeus. And now he's bold and I need your opinions or what you think about him being bold. But before that, I just want to say it was a fun tag team match. It was nothing too serious. And bodyguard winning and not singing his own theme song was a crime. I, uh, was disappointed by bald Zeus because I felt like he had done a lot of work to get his hair kind of perfect and then he took it off and that's disappointing so yeah that was sad um so yeah that was surprising that surprised me because I didn't real. I must have missed like when he exactly did that because I follow him on Twitter but I did not realize he had gone bald so like that was surprising and then I miss Zeus's theme a lot so just like hearing that hit is so nice because like I just miss him on these shows getting him back for one-offs like this is such a, it's such a treat. There are some like really fun spots throughout this, like Yuma and Atsuki showed up to play. So like, that was always really fun with all their like posing and like all that stuff. Dan in anyway also did a really nice job throughout this. So yeah, just like a fun little house show match. It was really nice to see Zeus and yeah, just a good time. Yeah, it was a fun match. I think Zeus looks handsome, but that's because he's a very handsome man. So he can pull off literally anything. Um, bald is not it, but he still still looked fine to me. Like he, he can pull off just about anything. He has a good little shape to his head. So I'm not torn up about it, but it was something that my brain had to get used to throughout the match. Do you two remember when Bodyguard sang his theme song? Or am I just the only one who remembers that? I'm still a casual liar. I'm still a new fan, so I don't know anything. I do remember that, Jesse. And he did not do it here. Now I'm disappointed. disappointed. Now I'm disappointed. Now I have to go back and find it. It's New Year's War Day 1, I believe, 2021. Voodoo Murders, Suama and Taru defeated Next Stream, Kento Miyahara and Rising Hayato in 13 minutes and 30 seconds. The ramp spot was a bit stupid. Like I said before, I think Black Manta Ray and Kuma Arashi did it better. Of course, the big talking point in this match was what happens after. Suama said he was boycotting the Royal Road, which is a way to say he's bowing out and Taru will be taking his place. Taru said that he defeats Kento, then Kento has to rejoin Voodoo Murders. Kento was in Voodoo Murders for a very short time, back in 2013, I believe. So yeah, this is a, a big talking point here. I know we talked about it a little bit on our mini episode, but uh, Voodoo Murders Kento, huh? I don't know. Suama keeps asking him for that handshake and Kento keeps staring at him. 
feels like we kind of need it to happen at this point. I'm wishful thinking. I want Voodoo Murders Kento in a very bad way. Um, I just I so want to badly want to reference the, the press conference and what happened at the press conference for Republic I know. Railroad. We will get there. We, can't, so we can't talk about it here, but like, it's just, it's funny to have like them trying to, they're trying to recruit Kento. And yet the first thing Taru does is whip out a baton and beat the shit out of Kento yeah. at the press conference. So whatever, it's, that's just, yeah. uh, this match, um, and Osaka, I, the first thing I have written down is poor Hayato is going to get the brake speed off him for sport. And, you know, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. They did, they did that ta- that table spot again, the one that they had done in the, in the Jake Lee match. They did it in this match as well. It is kind of sick. It, it is, it's like kind of scary, but it is kind of sick. I guess it's just like less scary when it's uh, like when it's happening to Kento and not to someone with like recent history of having their face broken. You know what I mean? There's a difference there. But um, th- what killed me was Taru pulling Kento up all of the ramps to like dangle him off of the, like that, that it wasn't even really a balcony. It was just like the hot, like, you know, a higher point of those ramps. That was like very funny, but also looked incredibly silly because they had the camera pulled back so far that you could tell that if he did actually push Kento over, Kento would not have, he would have been fine. There were, that was not that high of a drop. <laughs> Kento and Hayato have a really funny relationship together. Like their spots together are really funny. Kento will sell the hell out of that powder for Taru though. I will say that. There's probably no one more equipped to go up against Voodoo Murders than Kento because Kento will sell the hell out of all of those like really weird, silly, gimmicky spots. He will do all of them for Taru. I'm not a massive fan of Taru being in Royal Road as we discussed in our mini episode. I wish that they could have gotten a better member of Voodoo Murders to do this. I do think the idea of Kento joining Voodoo Murders is like weirdly compelling because of his history with Voodoo Murders and like him kind of hinting at knowing something about Voodoo Murders because of that history and his brief inclusion in the, in the, in the faction. That stuff is compelling to me. It also, in my mind, like I mentioned in the mini episode, removes him from being a dangerous person going into the Budokan final (laughs) or main event. But I don't know. I don't know. This was a fine match. Kento is, is a very funny man. That's my review of this match. The problem I have with Kento losing to Taru in rejoining Voodoo Murders is that Taru wins and yeah. moves on to round two. Yeah, more Taru. Yeah. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. Up next is the junior heavyweight title time. Tiger Marks defeated Izanagi in 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Afterwards, Hokuto Omari came out and challenged Tiger Mask. Omari has declared he will be the hero, win the belt, and save the junior division, which, I mean, please, please let that happen. Honestly, I think this was probably the best Tiger Mask title match that I've seen to date. I thought they were really good. I thought they worked well together. Yeah, I I enjoyed this match. It wasn't my favorite of the night, but it was... uh, That's a high bar. It uh, It was still a very good match. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see Okuto Mori challenge. I think he could have a, a good match with Tiger Mask based on everything I've seen so far um, out of Tiger Mask's uh, defenses to date. And uh, hope, fingers crossed that he will, in fact, save the junior division. I think that if they wanted to pull the trigger on him and make him into sort of an ace of the junior division, this is the moment. This is how you want to do it. I don't know if they're going to wait until the Budokan, but uh, fingers crossed. We'll see. 
The main event was a match for the world tag team titles. The Sunglass Squad, Ashina and Honda, defeated Stronghearts, Shigehiro Irie and T-Hawk in just under 21 minutes to retain the belts. Before we even got to the match, Yusuke Kadama came out with Ashina and Honda and even had his own pair of sunglasses. Even though I did love the Amore Kadama team, I love Kadama back with Ashino. The match was really good. The ending stretch was really, really good. But I don't think Ashina and Honda were ever in trouble of losing the belts. But enough about the match because the best thing happened after the match. Kadama <laughs> usually scares children. But this time he was playing with one in the front row and the joy on the kid's face when Kadama turns around is a must-see. It is so adorable and it's like probably the best thing on the show. It's just the best. Becky had a couple cute moments watching wrestlers or having wrestlers interact with him and it was so, so sweet. There's actually like weirdly enough, like I think on the next show, I think on the next show, like a really cute kid moment as well. There's just some really good kid moments on this particular tour. But Anyway, yeah, just a really good match. I mean, it's it's good for all the reasons why everyone loved these two teams, right? It's really like, it's it's the highlights of why that these guys are so good together. Kodama, to me, was like the highlight, just his inclusion in whatever Ashino and Honda are doing right now with this like team of theirs. I think that was, that's so cool. We had talked about the possibility of Kodama coming out and joining them. And it's nice to see that that was something that is happening. So it's cool. We'll see where that kind of leads them now. I'm really excited to see that. T-Hawk and Ashino just continue to have great chemistry in this match. Just shows everything that they do together. Honda just continues to be the guy who was glad to show up to work and just get the shit kicked out of him. And that's like, (laughs) that is Honda's function in all of these matches. And like, I hope he's going to be fine at the end of this tag run. But that has been consistently his function is just to get the break speed off of him. But come back like the Terminator somehow through it all. And like, it's just, it's a very effective role for him in this tag team. It's, it's great. It's very entertaining. I adore him. I really enjoyed it. And I actually really liked T-Hawk in it, which just goes back to my theory that I only like T-Hawk when he's in matches with Ashino. I know that's probably not a popular thing to say, but like, otherwise I don't always get him. However, I loved him in this. I do maintain that T-Hawk is best as a tag team wrestler. That's not really even meant as a slight as with him. I think he's um, easy to get along with. Like he has good chemistry with a lot of people, but it tends to only show when he's tagging which is interesting. But uh, yeah, this match is is so good. I love that Honda is this sort of typical imperiled, I guess, not really rookie, but younger wrestler who gets the shit absolutely kicked out of him. But he has such personality that it kind of breathes new life into that specific role. And when he comes back up and he's grinning and he's ready for more uh, punishment, it's just very charming. And it sort of sets the whole tone of this little unit that they've got going on. Like he really is the mood maker here with the sunglasses and the can do, will do, you know, willing to die for this kind of attitude. So he's, he's kind of a star in his own way, despite Ashino being the uh, breadwinner of, of the team. But this this is a really good match. Just really fun. And then Kodama, I'm so, so happy to see him with everybody again, with Ashino again. And his little sunglasses are so cute. He's so pale that it looks almost like jarring on him, but uh, it's, it's very enjoyable. Day four was on the 24th of July in 2AW Square. 
to open Takao Omore and Ryu Inoue defeated Shoto Oshino and Sego Tachibana in 8 minutes and 42 seconds. I'm really liking the team of Omore and Inoue, this veteran taking on a young rookie. They've been training together. I like this match. I like Inoue taking the elbow from Amore. I thought that was a really cool spot. Anyway, taking the elbow from Amori is so cool. They've been practicing in the dojo and those videos are like so cute. So worth watching if you follow Anyway on Twitter. Definitely check those out. This was a really nice little match. Good win for Takao Amori. Anyway, did a really good job throughout. And this team is definitely, it definitely works. You have that like Senpai Kohai relationship between them right now. And it really is very effective. It's so nice to see Takawa Mori in this role mm-hmm. in particular. He's had a very interesting career and a very like weird winding road through wrestling in general. So that he can be in this type of role at this stage of things in all Japan is just very nice to see. So I hope that this continues. Cyrus and Tajiri defeated Black Mensa Ray and Izanagi in just under five minutes. This confused me because I watched this on July 30th. I was a couple of days late and genuinely thought Tajiri was still in Europe until I watched this. So seeing him here was like, oh shit, he came back. But this match was essentially very effective for just getting in Cyrus's spots before Royal Road. It's really just introducing him to the different All Japan crowds. And in that way, it's effective. We'll definitely talk about it with the next show, but crowds love him. So mm-hmm. there, there is definitely that you can really begin. I mean, they were very warm to him from the beginning, but they're starting really to get excited for him. Ren Ayabe defeated Dan Tamara in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. I thought this was okay, but as the match went on, it got really good towards the end. Therefore, um, Battle and Dan's Lariat looked great. And I love Ayabe doing a drop kick because when he's like, you know, on his back, he takes up like, over half the ring space. He's just that tall. <laughs> Yuma Yage defeated Yoshitatsu in eight minutes. Because this show was a video on demand show, I was checking the hashtag to see pictures and things fans in attendance were posting. And all I saw was Yuma and Tatsu fighting outside the arena. And I was like desperate to see what the hell was going on. Basically, Yuma raised the garage door, which is so noisy, threw Tatsu out, and closed it. It's not the first time Yuma fought on the outside of the venue, but it is the first time he was on the offense. Mikan Lee's yelling at them as that door was like slowly closing on, <laughs> on them was really, really funny. This was the best Yoshitatsu match all year. I loved this. <laughs> I was obsessed with this. This was good. I wish that they had just locked the door though in the back to prevent him from coming back in. And Yuma and that damn mini fan. He's been obsessed with that mini fan. So has uh, Atsuki. And they're really funny. He brought that out to the ring with him again, too. And he just he just keeps coming up with, like, clever little ways to fan himself. But anyway, this match was peak comedy. But the wrestling was also super solid as well. Like, when they were actually in the ring and they were wrestling, it was still a really good match. But this is, like, it, this is one not to skip just because there's, like, you know, comedy and, like, bullshit going on. It's it's really funny and worth checking out. They need to slap, like, a Old Japan or Aoyagi sticker on those fans and start selling them. They would sell out like everything else. Yeah. The damn lotion keeps selling out. So why wouldn't the (laughs) Aoyagi brothers fans not sell out? (laughs) Hikaru Sato defeated Suwama by DQ in just over 13 minutes. And I think we need a Sato triple crown challenge. What a heavily favored Sato again, which I don't mind at all. He even allowed him to use a chair as he pretended to look away. I'm just sick of all the brawling and chairs. I just tune out now when it comes to Voodoo Murders. It's not 
it's not fun anymore. I've seen it every single match they're in. It's just like, okay, the first five minutes of, of any Voodoo Murders match would be, okay, do a ref bump, you know, bring all the legal weapons, then we can get to the match. I'm just sick of it. You know, I really, I totally, I totally understand, Jesse, because I, I, I do think the chairs get like really tiresome after a while, but I actually do, I did really like this one rather. I think, and I'm a little biased, I love Wada's involvement in this, I think. I think that's like the thing that really gets to me with these types of matches now. I think this match demonstrated the point right now is that Voodoo Murder's war is against all Japan as a whole and not just like specific people. It's It really is Voodoo Murders versus all Japan. And I think Wada and the way that, that he has gotten involved, like Wada to me, is is part of the institution of all japan right he represents all japan in a way that other people just do not so when wada is getting this involved and he's letting you know sato have a lot of allowance and a lot of leash and what he is allowed to do with suwama because he's trying like wada's you know really trying to get the people that are now facing suwama to beat suwama i think that that really um says something it says something to the story that they're trying to tell I know that it can be frustrating because the interference gets old after a while, the cheating gets old after a while, but I do like that core storyline of this is truly all Japan versus voodoo murders, and you really have that driven home by WADA as part of the very core, the very institution of all Japan, stepping in to take it to Suwama, but also to help and sometimes protect people like Sato. I think that's really well said. I was actually thinking while watching this match how Wada's involvement with the storyline doesn't bother me like it would with other referees. I'm going to straight up say it like Red Shoes' relationship and storyline with Bullet Club where, you know, he has the same sort of ire and does the sort of, same sort of thing and it doesn't bother me. And I think what you said is exactly it. The storyline isn't referee versus the unit it's the unit versus this promotion and wada is the heart and soul the very core of the promotion in a lot of ways so i think that's that's really well said that being said i don't really understand why we had to run back this match when it was super enjoyable the first time i i do think it was nice that uh, Sato got the win over DQ. I'm with you, Jesse. He needs to challenge. <laughs> I think it would be really fun. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't really know why this match was here. They definitely ran their better spots with the first match. It was okay. It didn't bother me, but I don't necessarily understand why we had to book it in the same month. Like you saying, Wada is basically all Japan. He's been there since the start. He was started refing, I think, two years after the company began who was just working backstage before and for some reason he has the highest score on cage match for any all japan wrestler that's there right now even higher than kento okay i can accept that that's fine and it makes sense because like when he gets that leg in there when he's trying to break up wrestlers that's a powerful leg that makes sense to me i do like wada in the storyline i don't hate wada's involvement but i just wonder if if he's going to referee the triple crown match because he's been not doing those matches lately, it's gone to other referees. So I don't know if he's going to stay in the storyline right to the end or it's just these matches he's going to be involved in. That's a good point, Jesse, because you know what? That reminds me, like, before the Jake match, Suwama was, like, very pointedly calling Wada out as if Wada was going to be the ref in that match. Wada was not the ref in that match. 
And I do have to wonder, like you said, like, is, is this going to continue to culminate in where WADA sort of has to, he's got to get called back in. He's got to get called out of retirement, so to speak, of uh, triple crown matches and, and to be a part of that storyline in that way. I think that we probably could very well see that. It's, it's interesting. And I think it might truly play out in that way as part of the storyline. Up next, Suji Ishikawa defeated Ricky Honda in 10 and a half minutes. I thought this was okay. They do have good chemistry, but I thought their champion carnival match was better. Honda brought out a cardboard standee for some reason, and I am actually lo- really liking Honda's spear. He's really hitting some good spears lately. I thought him with the cardboard cutout was ridiculous. He's so funny. And he just like, <laughs> his presence, we'll talk about more of this stuff too, I think in the next episode, but his social media presence too, like he's just like really finding like his niche and like he's starting to realize what people find funny from him. So we're just going to keep seeing more of these like little bits of unhinged behavior from him. And I, and I dig it. I'm really into it, but yeah, I agree with you, Jessica. This was a fine match. I did prefer the champion carnival match. They had some nice spots here. I understood why Honda probably wouldn't get the singles win here though. I did wonder if like you guys or maybe other people watching were like maybe frustrated that he didn't get the win over Ishikawa here. But to me, it makes sense because he's, despite being a tag champ, Honda is still just coming up, right? He's still like you know, a younger guy on the roster. So it makes sense to me. He wouldn't necessarily get the singles win here, but he does continue to impress in his wrestling and overall presentation. Kento Miyahara and Aski Oyagi wrestled to a 15 minute draw. On Twitter, Aski wrote, this match is All Japan's ace versus All Japan's junior ace. And I think it might be the first time he referred to him as a junior ace. And I'm hundred percent here for that. I thought this was good. I kind of expected more from them, but I did still really enjoy this match. I was expecting a Kento victory, so I was surprised with a draw, and this was peak Kento insanity. He was so noisy and just so over the top in everything he did. He found a little girl in the front. That's his girlfriend now. Impress. Yeah. He kept calling her Konocho-chan. He's like, hey, hey, my little girlfriend, look at this. So. Yeah, they, he, had a, he had a date that he wanted to show up in front of. And it was so funny because she was so loud the whole show, just, you know, really impatient and running around. And, you know, it was fine. But the second Kento's theme hit, she was in her chair and riveted. And she was ready. She knew what she was there for. And he was, he latched right onto that. It was so cute. It was absolutely precious. Um, the match itself was, was great. The draw was surprising. And I love that um, you mentioned, Jesse, that he's now calling himself the junior ace because I think that's exactly what the division needs is somebody who's just going to straight up say, you know what, like, I'm also the best of the best. Look at me. And going to a draw with Kento is absolutely going to push him into that position if it hasn't already, which personally I think it has. So. I thought the pace of this really picked up towards the end two and was really, really great. I think pulled the match up from being, I don't know, maybe just fine, like a very solid match to being like quite good. I did want a little bit more from them. And I'm actually glad that you, that you felt that way as well, Jesse, because I felt like this, I was so excited about this match and it just wasn't, it wasn't great. Like I wanted it to be for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know if I would feel differently if I watched it again, but it was good. I did enjoy it a lot. I was really into Oski with those series of suplexes on Kento in particular. Like I thought that Oski just looked really good here and it's nice to see him and Hayato. They hold their own when they're going against the heavies in a very believable way. And it's just great to see. The rookie group of Oski, Dantamora and Hokuto Amore, they always have magic when they wrestle Kento. So I think this is why I kind of expected a bit more. 
it was still good, but I just expected it like another level. And one thing that really annoyed me was Aski missed a perfect opportunity to be the annoying younger brother. He's done it before <laughs> to Yuma saying like, oh, Yuma's nothing without me when he helped him at Champions Night 4. And he did it when last year, Royal Road, when Aski made it to round three, Yuma didn't even make it past round one. He could have said he's the only Aoyagi not to lose to Kento. Yuma lost. That means Aski's better because he drew with Kento and he missed the opportunity. And I'm so disappointed for him. For now. (laughs) It might come up. Little brothers never forget. In the main event, Jake Lee and Hokuto Amore defeated Naoya Nomura and Mizuki Watase in 14 minutes. Jake's entrance has me freaking out. His stare down of Nomura was just so intense and so dramatic. Then getting in the ring, Nomura gets in Jake's face and Jake so casually just pushes him out of the way. This match was very, very good. I think I might have preferred Real Blood versus the Aoyagis better, but I still really like this match. I'm just so happy Nomura's back in all Japan and kind of... They didn't, I'm pretty sure they didn't plan this, but I like that he's going after his former tag team partners. I love this as well. It's it's funny, Jesse, because I think for like as long as I've known you, we've been talking about wanting to see so desperately Jake and Nomura in a ring again. I remember when Nomura came back and he had that match against Yuma and we thought that that was his only match back in All Japan before he was just going to leave. And we were like, well, where the fuck are you going? We were worried that <laughs> we were worried that, that we were never going to get any kind of like resolution to anything between him and Jake because there is so much story still to tell between all of those former next stream guys. So yeah, this was a big deal. This was definitely um, a big deal to have happen on this show. It was exciting. I think I actually preferred this match to the Real Blood versus the Ayaki Brothers match, but I have a uh, shocking, right? I have incredible bias. I love the entrance for all the reasons Jesse pointed out, like the drama of it and making Nomura wait and then pushing him out of the way. Like all of that just was like perfectly coordinated. It was awesome. I have this like theory that Jake pulls a lot of his forearms and his kicks and stuff like that. Some of his kicks. Uh, he did not pull a lot of his forearms and his kicks, especially on the outside with Nomura, which was great. It looked awesome. That stuff was really cool. The, the intensity between him and Nomura was just so palpable and Wada needed to kind of like break them up while uh, Watase had free reign to kill Hokuto Amori a bit inside of the ring. It was really funny when the camera pulled back. I enjoyed that. Those moments where like Jake was also trying to like no-sell Nomura and like building up that intensity between them before they had that big altercation in the ring too was also really great. Nomura has a great spear too, speaking of really good spears. And Watase did a really good job here too. Like he just has, he has really great spots with Jake and also with Omori. So it's just nice having Watase in all Japan. I think he does add a lot. I hope he keeps coming back to work with them. And um, yeah, this was just a really great match. I'm, I'm so excited. We finally have something between Jake and Nomura in particular and I liked their tension all the way at the end as well and with Jake making Nomura come all the way back into the ring to speak on the mic that stuff is also really great so there's still a lot between those two and I'm very excited for what is to come between the two of them because I don't think it's going to stop here obviously yeah I think what you said was pretty much perfect I thought this match was a really good showcase of Jake's character in particular. So if you haven't quite gotten a feel for his character yet, 
especially post his total eclipse turn, then you're definitely going to want to check out this match. The way that he treats Nomura is very compelling and very interesting. And then obviously their strikes are really, really, really good. So I really like that. I am the tiebreaker here between the uh, Aoyagi brothers match in this match. And I have to say that I like the Aoyagi brothers match more. So <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. Sorry, Alicia. I'm, I'm with Jesse, but this match was phenomenal. I thought it was very, very good. I like Amore teaming with Jake again. It's been a long time since they were a team. They kind of have a younger brother, older brother um, relationship. And I really like that. I don't know if they're going to stick together, especially with the Ayagis now in the picture, but I was I keep saying like, yeah. like, I told Rachel like 19 times leading up to this show. I was like, this has to be when Omori turns around and is like, are we going to talk about the Ayagi brothers? No. And it didn't happen. And that surprised the shit out of me because how many times did Omori like bitch and bitch and bitch about Honda? <laughs> I'm shocked about it. I am. Yeah. I mean, that was part of the reason Anfons died was because Omori was so intense about different things. And then he was super loyal to Jake and it's just very odd. I was hoping for more as well. Um, I guess, I guess that's part of the reason I like that Yankee brothers match a little more as I was expecting something different from their team up, but their team was good. Like they did great. So I think it was just different than what I expected. Day five was on the 29th of July at Shikiba First Ring. In a three-way match, Hokuto Amore defeated Black Manso Ray and Toshizo in just three minutes. Amore running to the ring, doing his entrance in two times speed was so funny, and there was a reason for that. He was wrestling capture right after this show, so I just everything was fast-paced for him. Toshizo didn't even bother breaking up the pin. He just sat there with his legs crossed. Yeah. Seeing him as a double champion really hurts me. Black Manso Ray did challenge for the Goro TV title after the match. Toshizo just sitting there and watching the pin was the coolest he has looked since he showed up. Like it, it was just, it was kind of cool. Like, yeah, okay, you take that pin and challenge. Sure, whatever. I'm not the one being pinned. It, it gave him some personality and made him a lot more interesting to me than... I had ever been interested in him. So maybe I'm starting to see some of the charm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but their exchange uh, in the, in the ring after like on the mic was interesting enough. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm open to have my mind changed. Hikaru Sato and dead Tamora defeated Izanagi and Yoshitatsu in just under 11 minutes. I like that Dan won with a Sawama-like powerbomb. I thought that was very interesting. And after the match from Sato, which is pointing to the evolution on the back of Dan's trunks, it just like um, looked like he was pointing to his butt. I love that. That was so sweet. They're really good, those uh, poor displaced evolution guys. I liked Dan a lot in this. I thought it was a good tag in general. It was worth watching. Uh, I was happy that Dan picked up the win here as well. But yeah, just a, a, like a solid little short tag match. Takao Amore defeated Ryu Inoue in nine minutes. These two were supposed to challenge for the All-Asia titles, but since Minoru tested positive, it was postponed. Inoue has been training with Omori, as we've said, and it really showed. I thought this was a really, really good match. Inoue was great. He looked confident in the ring. He got a lot of offense in, and of course, Omori played his part perfectly. I think this was the perfect showing for Inoue. Completely agreed. It actually, this match was so good. 
that it made me not really that disappointed. We ended up not getting the tag match. I think that sometimes it's just important to see something like this between someone as young and up and coming as Inoue and Kawamori. Like these matches are just kind of important and special and it's really good to get them while we can. We just never know how long we're going to have people like Kawamori around. So yeah, this was just sort of wonderful and worth going out of your way to watch. Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe defeated Cyrus and Tajiri in six minutes and 44 seconds. It was three big men with one funny little man who was Tajiri. It was just a build-up for the Royal Road. The crowd did react loudly to any Suji versus Cyrus action, which is good. But I do wish that they saved the big sushi body slamming Cyrus spot for the tournament, though. I thought this was a really good showing for Cyrus in particular. I think probably his best showing of the matches he was a part of on this particular tour. He had a really impressive drop kick to Ayabe that got a really nice reaction from the crowd. Tajiri was actually pretty funny during this match <laughs> as well, doing like his normal comedy shit, but like whatever. It's been like a couple, it's been like forever since I've seen him. So maybe that's why he's making me laugh. But yeah, Cyrus was more impressive here, I think, than he was in his other appearances for me. Not that like I didn't outright like not enjoy him in his other appearances, but this to me felt like he was starting to put the pieces together for how to get over with all Japan crowds. And he really like hit his marks in this. I think he'll do well in Royal Road. I'm I'm expecting him to do well. And this was definitely the most effective match for showing why he is being booked in uh, this upcoming tournament. Yeah, I agree. The, like I said, the crowd loved him and they are reacting really well. So I think to your point, Jesse, like them using the body slam instead of saving it might have been a um, way to test the waters with each other and see what the crowd responds to because Cyrus is still pretty new to the All Japan crowd. So I'm thinking during their match, they're going to go be above and beyond there. And I think it's definitely going to be one to watch. I'm very, very excited for that match. I'm not usually a big Hoss guy battle sort of thing. I, I do have several exceptions, but I think this might become one of them. I'm very excited to see their match. And then uh, I thought Tajiri was hilarious. <laughs> I, I definitely, he definitely popped me, especially the finish there. I thought that was very funny and, and goofy in a, in almost a DDTS kind of finish way where he was just like, Oh, and, yeah, and then got, got. So uh, it was, it was very funny. It was very enjoyable. Shoto Oshino and Ruki Honda versus Suwama and Kono ended in a no DQ after 11 minutes. My only thought after this match, and it just kept going over and over in my head, is that Oshino has to run a road and take the belt from Suwama now. Just their interactions. I just loved it so much. I loved this match, actually. And like in looking at this card, like I really loved this, <laughs> this match. Um, I loved this like Suwama and, um, and Ashino were so great facing off. There were so many moments in this match where like, it doesn't matter that like all the voodoo murders bullshit was happening. Like this was a good fucking match. Wada is going to strangle Suwama, I think. So there is that. Suwama is a violent bastard man is something I had written down because Honda sold that chair shot from Suwama like death. And that came across, I think, really great. Honda was a huge part of why this match worked. He cleared the ring at one point of voodoo murderers to save Ashino from being beaten down with that empty gas can. And 
it doesn't matter the gas can looks empty and stupid that part looked so fucking cool like like no one looked cooler than honda coming in to clear the ring of voodoo murderers to save ashino in that moment i i fucking loved that i forgot how much i love this match that this match was so good suama throwing that table at ashino at the end also like made me laugh out loud and then what was also funny was kono eating shit trying to jump back in to attack honda absolutely unhinged behavior for no reason this was so good (laughs) this was like really good there was like parts that were just like part of the show and then parts that were like completely unintentional but i loved every minute of this match really great wrestling some excellent moments between suama and ashino to remind you that that would be a phenomenal program that is like a program that we should be hoping for yeah i actually paused the match to message Alicia the nanosecond Ashino got in the ring with Suwama and stared him down. I was like, whoa, whoa, this is so (laughs) intense. Like they were so, the chemistry was so good and there was just such intensity. Yeah, no, I definitely want to see that as, as a main event. We deserve to see that and Ashino winning the belt would be incredible. Um, yeah, no, I, I love this match. I thought uh, Honda really shone like underneath the voodoo murder c- circumstances. I think Honda and shenanigans go very hand in hand in a very beautiful way. He just has a good personality for it. And I, I mean, you know, his big breakout moment of this year involved him pulling a knife. So it's not that shocking, <laughs> but he, he did a really great job. I love the gas tank. That was so good. Yeah, no, I, I thought this match was just when Voodoo Murders is it goes right, it goes right. And it's very fun. I like that Shino and Honda had backup in Tachibana and Kadama. It wasn't just like Voodoo Murders getting a cheap shot, having people from the outside interfere. And it was like, no, this is going to be a brawl. If they're going to interfere, we're going to interfere too. And I really like that. I'm not a fan of all these DQs that are happening, but I like this DQ match. I agree, because I think one of the things that I think is a little sad and a little frustrating about, not sorry to go back to it, but to go back to Jake's triple crown loss, there was nobody out there to help him. And those are the things that I think get kind of tiring. It's like the same type of complaints that would happen over and over again when like uh, they would send out Bullet Club or Mm -hmm. whoever the fuck to to beat up like Tetsuya Naito in New Japan over and over and over again. But like no one from LIJ would come out and help Naito for a while. It's that same thing after a while that gets kind of old. Like you just get tired of watching like the the, the, the baby face, so to speak, get the shit kicked out of them and like have no backup. So it, it is nice that Honda and Ashino refuse to not have backup. <laughs> and I like that it sort of shows off the personalities of the faces themselves because um, having that sort of variety because the way new japan likes to do it is that during the big blow-off match then the baby face suddenly has friends who will come in and help and it's supposed to be you know this big moment however with all japan you have some that are like no we're coming in with backup and others that are like no i want to go it alone and it feels a lot more authentic it feels a lot more true to their own characters in the main event Jake Lee, Yuma Oyagi, and Asuki Oyagi defeated Kento Mihara, Takuya Nomura, and Rising Hayato in 22 minutes and 30 seconds. This was so good, so much fun. I was a bit disappointed though that we got hardly any interaction between Jake and Takuya. I was really looking forward to them, especially because Takuya did face Yuma and Kento in the Champion Carnival, so we already had interaction with those two. 
Hayato doing what he's been doing for the last couple of months, like we've already said it, he was looking like a star again, working the ending stretch. So Ama did came out after the end of the match trying to shake Kento's hand. My stomach was literally in knots. I was really unsure what was going to happen. Kento, the worst person in the world. He looked like he was going to shake Suama's hand and he's like, oh no, there's a bit of dust on the ring mat. So I got to bend down and pick up and get out of the ring. <laughs> after that, he got on the mic and said in English, we are back to Budokan and I am back to the Triple Crown. Jake Hume and Asuki did the Jake pose to close the show and that was perfect. This was just all good vibes. I mean, just to start, you had Kento like antagonizing Nomura right from the jump and getting checked for it during like the clapping of Kento's music, which was really funny. I really enjoyed that. And also Yuma trying to copy like his brother's flip multiple times and not being able to do it was also really funny. So like you just had like all of the good little comedy spots that make these these six mans so fantastic. I did notice that poor Hayato has, is like, he's all taped up. His left shoulder is all taped up. So I hope that he's okay. That was interesting to see. But otherwise, in terms of the match, I mean, this was just like Jesse said, it was just really good. They had, there's a lot of really great spots. Yuma and Atsuki, double teaming Kento, looked really great. They did like some funny spot on the outside with him that looked really great. Nomura has really great timing and that showed this showed a couple times during the match. He worked excellent with everyone that he interacted with during that match. Uh, There's also a point where Nomura caught Hayato's leg for the ankle lock. Um, he nearly lost his balance, but he managed to catch himself. That just looked super cool because he's such a professional. I like when you can see little things like that. But yeah, all of this was great. And then um, I will always love being able to see Kento and Jake against each other and their spots were also great. And um, there's a lot of these things are, are really, like I've said before, just like, um, just like a highlight reel of the great spots that you'll get between these guys and why you should be watching all Japan show to show. So in that way, it's a very successful six man. And what I loved at the end was Kento acting like he was going to go to the back after Suama left, but he came right back and Yuma just lost his mind. And if this didn't get picked up well on the cameras, for some reason, they decided to go like very close and like tight to Kento's face during the filming of like his speech. But the fan photographers got this from like 70 different angles. But like Yuma just like stood behind Kento and was like mocking him as he spoke like the entire time, which was super funny. So you can see that if you follow all Japan fan photographers, because they posted every angle of that. But Yuma is just really funny. The camaraderie between Jake Yuma and Atsuki is also... Um, super lovely to see that was like a high point of the match as well and again it just leaves us all wondering like what are they doing with total eclipse what are they doing with those three a lot of questions i think coming out of this match as it pertains to those guys and then you know they took more backstages together atsuki jake yuma that looks like a nice little faction but what are you doing what are you know what are we doing right so a lot of questions for sure yeah, I would just love a little clarity there because they were really cute together. They worked great together in the ring and then out of the ring, they were super adorable. Like the post matches of them on the uh, the ramp were just really, really, really cute. I love Takia and Kento's like tag team chemistry together. They're very funny. I liked Takia sort of uh, giving some barbs at Kento after the match. They're very funny. Kento was really, really loud this match, like extra loud. Um, I thought this match was really great. Like you said, it just played off the the greatest hits of the uh, main event scene right now in All Japan. This is the match I thought was going to be a draw. 
I really did. Um, once we reached the 20 minute mark, I was almost positive that it was going to go to a draw. So when Yuma got the win, I was really surprised, but I thought that was good. It took me off my guard. And that's something that doesn't happen all that often, especially just like on house shows. So really enjoyed it. I might have an answer for why Haito was so taped up. Uh, the show before this, you'll notice he's not on the card and he's on like every single All Japan card. He was actually working a match with June Kasai and he f- posted a photo on Twitter. He was all bloody and stuff. It could be from that. It could be just playing up the match they had together. But yeah. Well, then hopefully it means it's not that serious. I mean, he looked okay. Now we move on to July moments. On the 1st of July, Kento was announced he's coming to Great and he'll be competing for their new G-Infinity title, which I believe are tag team belts. And this was exciting and unexpected because Kento never wrestles anywhere else. This rise from All Japan, so I'm very excited for this. Way back in the beginning of the month, Ryo Inoue met Toshiaki Kawada. He posted a photo and said he was so happy to meet the person he admired. It's very cool to see the past and future of All Japan in one picture. And they met at Kawada's ramen shop, which is really cute. So this actually happened at the very end of June, but we didn't really have full information when we recorded for the June episode on July 2nd. However, I still wanted to mention that Jake Lee went home to Hokkaido, which is the northernmost part of Japan after he won the Triple Crown. And based on a combination of his tweets, Instagram posts, and Instagram stories, it seems he specifically went back to visit Hokkaido, Chosan Elementary, and Secondary School. That would be where he went to school growing up. Jake's school is part of the Chosen Gakko school system in Japan for Korean communities, and there was actually a documentary unrelated to him released about his particular school, released in 2007, specifically about the lives of ethnic or Zainichi Koreans living in Japan. During Jake's visit, he met with faculty, staff, and students. The first graders made him medals, like big Olympic gold-looking medals, that he posted pictures of on Twitter and Instagram. It seems like there was a display made up for him at the school as well. I'm going to read two tweets from him, one on the 29th and one on the 30th, where he spoke about this experience. The one on the 29th said, seven years, maybe more. Yesterday, I finally achieved one of the things I wanted to achieve. The lesson I learned from this experience is don't be distracted by the noise around you. Keep believing in yourself. And the one on the 30th said, I have told the juniors and teachers at my alma mater what I need to tell them. Now on to the next. This experience meant a lot to him. I think it was very personal to him. And I would venture to guess he may have wanted to do this when he became Triple Crown Champion for the first time in 2021. But COVID lockdowns more than likely prevented him from doing so. I love Jake so much. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. We got some more Evolution Women's Info. 20 women aged 16 to 30 have applied to become the first wrestler to join Evolution, which is All Japan's Joshi promotion. Suji and a non-Voodoo Murder Suama were overlooking the interviews. There was a fitness test and another interview will take place soon. Out of 20, only two to four will make it. All Japan held an online auction with all the proceeds going to Shinjiro Otani. Everyone from the roster, minus Fuji, donated something and there are some really cool things. A signed 2013 All Japan tracksuit from Takao Amore. Jake donated his old green and silver gear and lots of t-shirts. Honda has been hanging out with his Suwama face pillow, putting it on a tricycle, saying that he was driving erratically. In the next tweet, he held him in his hand and, like, punched him out of view. He likes his Suwama face pillow. What can I say? I can relate. What upsets me is that I missed out. Rachel has him. I missed out on getting a Suwama face pillow when they sold them in the store. 
but like Honda's pillow is specifically a Voodoo Murders version of Suwama that they have not put in the store. I want that. Yeah, they need to re-release that. That would be so good. We could have matching, like, I can we have- We could have matching Suwama yeah, pillows, okay. but you would have Evolution Suwama, yeah. and I have Voodoo Murder Suwama. That's what we yeah. need. The angel and the devil on your shoulder, except it's yes. Suwama's floating face. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't re-released them. They were so popular and sold out. Do they not like money? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't think they do. I have a lot of comments, actually for the merch people with the way that that store is run. <laughs> Mini fans and more face pillows, among other things. And like DDT style merch drops oh, with the oh, signings. All like that's what we want. They have not like, to be fair, like there was a, a time during the pandemic. I don't know if you'll remember this too, Jesse, where they were doing a lot of signings, like virtual signings. I remember yeah. Jake and um, Iwamoto doing them. I remember like Kento did 19 of them. Like Kento was doing them like every month, but they don't do them anymore. And of course, like now, like I'm more inclined to, um, to, to do them. Cause like, whatever, I'll just use white rabbit, but now they never do them. I don't understand why. So many wrestlers this month were calling Jake handsome. It was just like <laughs> July was acknowledged how handsome Jake is. It was so funny. I know Suji said it. I know Aski said it. There were other people. I can't remember who, but Yuma. Was just like, everybody was just calling him handsome. Yuma probably did. I can't, we can't join Club All Japan, which is like the most tragic thing of my life. Like, Jesse, I know that you agree with me. Like, I would do anything to join Club All Japan. They sometimes, though, show little clips of when the wrestlers go and speak. And Jake just did another Club All Japan appearance. They showed like little clips. Atsuki was like messaging and like calling him handsome there too, and trying to get him to message one to join the brotherhood between him and (laughs) Yuma and like being funny. But like, he was getting him there too with the handsome comments. I think Jake was predicting the Royal Road. I saw him with a board and like a whiteboard marker going over the yeah. thing. He was like, let us join. <laughs> Ryome Sukamoto has left All Japan after only working 15 matches. He looked to be a talented rookie with a big future, but unfortunately suffered an ACL injury. He was scheduled to make his comeback in July, but injured his leg again. Healing wasn't going well, so he decided to leave, but he has said he's looking to come back as a freelancer. So what's coming up in August? August is all about one thing, the Royal Road Tournament. 16 men will compete to earn a shot at Suwama's Triple Crown Championship. They'll be held over five days, the 7th, 11th, 14th, and 16th, with the semifinals and finals taking place on the 20th. Round one is split up into two days. On the 7th, we have Taru versus Kento Miyahara, Jake Lee versus Ren Ayabe, Asuki Oyagi versus Takuya Nomura, Yumi Oyagi versus Naoya Nomura. The second half of round one is on the 11th of August, and that day we have Suji Ishikawa versus Cyrus, Shoto Ishino versus Dan Tamura, Yuji Nagata versus Joshi Tatsu, Takao Omori versus Riki Honda. Next up is question time. Kellen Marian asks two questions. Firstly, who might Suama's next challenger be? And that's whoever wins the Roll Row tournament, unless they do a weird, super quick triple crown defense, but I don't see that happening at all. I'd have to be really fast. So who would be your guess for uh, challenger, Jesse? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be Yuma or Jake, but it's going to be Kento or Nagata. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, actually on the last episode of Talking Triple Crown. And I think largely our guesses are probably not going to change. My heart says Yuma or Jake. My head says Kento 
which is not to be disparaging of Kento or Nagata, but that is full being disparaging to Nagata. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, Nagata would be a huge, huge bummer. I wouldn't mind seeing Kento. I think that would probably be the most logical prediction here. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping for Ashino now after that uh, match. Dark Horse Ashino. Yeah, I think, I think that feels right. I think, I think that's going to be my, uh, what I'm hanging my hat on from now on. So manifesting Ashino. Secondly, Callan asks over under audience numbers at Budokan, they could sell Budokan out. The Budokan shows that have already happened this year have got over 3,000 in attendance, except for one New Japan Cup show, which got 2,000. So I'm hoping they can hit the 3,000 mark. It might be a bit difficult, but it's not going to be a sellout, but hopefully they get a good crowd. Are there any major other shows that day? Because if not, then I would be pretty confident in them saying reaching the 4,000 mark. I think that probably feels about right. Um, if it's split between New Japan, yeah, maybe 3,000. That's what happened with Noah's last Budokan show. Um, they had the first night of the G1 to contend with. But um, I, I feel like 4,000 will probably be good. I would love to see 5,000, which I think is close to the half capacity or the capacity sellout. Um, it would be nice to see, but I think 4,000 feels about right for me. I'll go 4,500. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I never <laughs> will be. I'm going to let people like Tajiri worry about sellouts and numbers and things like that. I do think yeah. that if they have a strong enough main event, and like Rachel said, if they are not competing with people like New Japan head on, that there is a good chance they will sell out. There's a lot of appeal around this being the 50th anniversary of the promotion that will get them a good pop. And they also have a lot of really nice momentum going into the show. All Japan has had a good year with a lot of really good press around them. So that's what I'll hope for. But yeah, that's all I got. I think being the 50th anniversary will help get numbers. And also being the first time they're back at the Budokan in 18 years, I think that will help as well. Fahad wants to know, will Kento be able to overcome voodoo murders? And I think if anybody can overcome the voodoo murders, it would have to be the ace of the company. But then again, who really knows? I didn't think voodoo murders will end up holding so many belts. I didn't think they'll be so dominant in they haven't even lost a match yet. But if anyone can do it, Kento can do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, uh, like, will he be able to? Sure. He's the ace. However, do I want him to? I don't know. <laughs> That's a completely separate issue, I guess. I actually am at a place right now with everything because like I genuinely could not have predicted that they would, that they would really take the belt off Jake with Suama. Perhaps we could have seen that coming, but I genuinely did not think that they would do that. Uh, so I'm not in a, in a place where I can even really predict anymore what All Japan is going to do when it comes to the booking of Voodoo Murders. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think that Kento, sure, he can overcome Taru. I mean, it's Taru, but... It just seems like a very pointed little storyline to do right before the Budokan. I don't know. I don't know. I genuinely don't know anymore. I like the idea that you were talking about during our Royal Road like mini episode of Yuma being able to sort of outwit them, outwile them. It feels yeah. right for his character. And I think it would be a big statement because like you said, they haven't lost yet. So I think it'd be fun to see Yuma hand them that first loss. I'm not sure how the uh, brackets shake out in the tournament, but it feels right to me. That feels really, really fun. And so um, 
I mean, obviously Kento, they can always rely on Kento. They can always fall back on him if, if we actually need to. Um, so I think that's an option, but I think there are better options. Tim Malone says, my sweetie and I are going to Philly for the 2024 Mania Week. What do you think the chances are of All Japan having a show or talent coming over for some shots? I think it's almost 0%. They seem more focused on growing their domestic audience and international audience, but 2024 is still a while away, so you never know if they're going to start expanding into America and other countries. But for now, it's just very much Japan-based. And I think that that's an important thing to kind of like, not everything for these companies has to be expanding into the West. I do think to Jesse's point, like this, this company needs to focus on just gaining a foothold in Japan that feels like a strong foothold once again in the pro scene within Japan, sending these guys over to, to America. Like, I don't know what that would do for all Japan right now. And especially with that weekend in 2024, that's going to be probably dominated by New Japan, but also by CyberFight, because I can't imagine that CyberFight is not going to have all three, or rather all four brands appearing and doing shows that weekend. I think as there, as things are right now, All Japan would be drowned out in a weekend like that. So it, I don't think it's even smart to send over All Japan during a weekend like that, unless things dramatically change and the company finds itself the, the strong foothold that it needs in their domestic market. So yeah, it, it would be nice to be able to see them over here than to have them traveling internationally, but I don't think we're going to see that for a minute. It's hard to say what will happen in two years, but I think Alicia is 100% correct, is that the odds of them coming over in that time frame are probably pretty low. But to that end, you will probably get to see some pro talent. Uh, there are a lot of companies that are at the phase of Western expansion, which I think speaks well that all Japan will get there. They just need to get that footing among the Japanese, you know, fan base first, and it'll be a stepping stone and have fun in Philly with you and your sweetie. Smiley wants to know the best and worst scenarios post Royal Road Tournament. For me, the worst scenarios will be Nagata wins, Taru wins, Cyrus wins. This is not in the Royal <laughs> Road, but still taking place while the tournament is going. And that's Tiger Mask retains. The best scenarios is anybody else wins, especially Jake, Yuma, Orishino, or even Naoya Nomura. I still want to see him or Japan. If he wins, I'll still be happy. And also Amora defeats Tiger Mask. That's the best scenario. Yeah, I can't argue against any of those. I mean, like the, the, the Royal Road, like so much of the rest of this year and how we close the year with All Japan is going to hinge on the outcome of this Royal Road tournament. And it's really going to set the tone for the kind of Budokan we have because the Budokan will feel exciting and special no matter what because it's 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 the Budokan and it's all Japan returning to the Budokan for the first time on their own, not as part of like an all-together show, that sort of thing. Like this will be their first true show in a very long time. So it'll always be special for that reason. However, this outcome the outcome of this tournament is gonna is gonna hinge on a lot. So best case scenario, like Jesse said, we get a Yuma win, a Jake win to really push those guys back into the main event against Suwama. And then obviously to get this title off of Suwama, sorry, Suwama, not to be disparaging of Suwama. Um, I'm not sorry, get it off him. <laughs> you love him though. <laughs> so yeah, so those are definitely the best cases and the worst cases are every single thing that Jesse outlined because there's just so many, there's just so many, there's just so many 
potential little, you know, things here that could be um, frustrating. And I guess I'll add to the best case scenario, I like the chaos factor of Kento potentially becoming a voodoo murderer. I think that could just be a really weird and interesting way to kind of shake things up in the, in the promotion. There's a wild card factor to that, I guess I kind of like. And again, I, I, like I've said before, I do think that that allows someone like Yuma to emerge from behind him. So I'll add that to the worst, or rather I'll add that to the best case scenarios. Yeah, I have nothing really to add. Um, I think that's exactly it. I just don't want to see Nagata. I would love to see Omori take that belt into the Budokan would be phenomenal. So I think that's a, a good little post uh, Royal Road best case scenario. So we'll see what's going on there. Otherwise, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> so a lot of lot up in the air, but I think there are some good options too. So fingers crossed. Dr. Jonathan asked, do we see the Budokan show being an annual event? I reckon if they have a good turnout and a positive reception, I can see them having a show there once a year, maybe around the same time. Maybe it's an anniversary show every year. I would like it, but we have to see how uh, this show turns out. And lastly, Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks asks, what do we think Jake and Yuma will be doing come Budokan? I would really hope one of them wins Royal Road and goes on to face Sawama. My original thought is that Yuma would face Naoya Nomura, but since that's happening in round one of the Royal Road, I don't know if they're going to run that back and do it again. There might be in a tag match against Voodoo Murders. I hope they're in championship matches, but I'm really confused at what's going to happen at that show. I do think that Jake's path, even if he doesn't win, will end up potentially in front of Voodoo Murders because like, I, I keep coming back to... This all fucking started when Jake came back from injury and who did he fucking fight that first night? He fought Suwama, right? Fought Suwama with the Voodoo Murders anniversary thing when they were just telling us like, it's one night only. And we all believed it. Stupidly, we all believed it. And like with the way that the main event was booked or rather the Triple Crown Championship match was booked and Jake lost, like I think his path is going to keep getting like veered back in front of Voodoo Murders. I think that Jake is supposed to overcome these guys and we're going to end up seeing like a character change for Jake. So I think we could potentially see that at Budokan, even if Jake's not the winner of Royal Road, even if it's not for the Triple Crown. I think that, that there's a there's a potential for that. And even if he's not the one facing Suama, obviously, I think that like part of that development for him is not just going to come from facing Suama potentially. So there's that. With Yuma, I I really, really want him to come from behind and steal this fucking belt off of Suama. So my hope genuinely is that he will he will come out of Royal Road the winner and go on to be the person who represents all Japan in the war against voodoo murders and then takes the belt off Suama in the Budokan. But again, it's so hard to say how long this is going to go on now and what we're doing, but that's what I would genuinely hope Yuma would be doing come Budokan. They just did like real blood matches with both sets of guys too. So I can't even say what they would necessarily have them do with Nomura. Like they had sitting like, like, um, hasn't Yuma had a singles match with Nomura or am I wrong? He's getting ready to. Oh, that's right. He's getting ready to have one. So like they're about to burn their way through that. You can't really run that back. I mean, they would, they don't care. They'd run it back for the Budokan if they had to, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want them to do that right away. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, I think like that's, 
my extended thoughts on all of that, I guess. There's a, there's a couple different directions that they can go. I just sincerely hope that with Jake, if he's not going to be the winner, we are putting him back on the path to the development in his character that he is talking about and, and showing and displaying. And with Yuma, I really do want him to come from behind and, and be the winner and take the belt off Suwama. We have something special for the last segment of the show, and that's mid-year awards. I know the mid-year has already come and passed and everyone has done their awards, but we still have to do it, so we're going to do it. So first up is Best Wrestler. We each picked a heavyweight and a junior heavyweight. And my first thought was to pick either Jake or Yuma, but then I realized, no, it's obviously Kento. I thought he had such great matches, and every Triple Crown match he had was amazing. Honorable mention is Jake Yuma, but also Suji. I think he had a really great year this year and continues to have a great year. What do you got for us, Alicia? Who's your heavyweight wrestler of the year so far? Wrestler of the mid-year. Technically, I have two answers. But the answer that I'm going to give, my most unbiased answer would probably be Yuma Aoyagi. Yeah. And then your biased answer. (sighs) My biased answer. (laughs) (laughs) Come on would be Jake Lee. I do think that Yuma has had a bit of an extraordinary year. I think that the champion carnival win was massive. I think that his control of character and I think what he inspires in people is so fun to watch. I just like keep thinking back to when uh, we were getting to the end of champion carnival and it seemed more and more likely that he was going to win and just be like, genuine excitement from everyone on my timeline because it was Yuma and because that's what Yuma inspires in people that I think was wonderful to see those moments I think where people like kind of come together over one person are kind of special and sort of unique and so that's something I think I've noticed that Yuma tends to inspire in people and just the way that he is as a performer so that's why he would be uh my heavyweight so far this year yeah same boat my uh heavyweight of the year so far is definitely Yuma. He has uh, had some really great standout. I think this is just a, um, he's always been a breakout star, but I think this is his breakout year. And I think everybody's been saying that is that it is the year of Ayagi. And uh, I, I agree. I'm inclined to agree. He's already had two outstanding match of the year contenders can barely find anything to top those. Um, yeah. He's got that champion carnival win. My biased wrestler of the year would be Ashino because it's always Ashino, but uh, I think it's hard to compete with Yuma. Next up for junior heavyweight, there was no doubt in my mind. It belonged to Hikaru Sato. I thought his reign was amazing, especially consider the mess that the junior title was in last year. I thought it might continue this year, but not. Every match he had was great. He's such a great performer. Even now what he's doing with Sawama is pretty good. And of course, right behind him in second place is Aski Yogi. Yeah, I think those two are neck and neck for me. I think at the mid-year, looking at the year so far, I would agree and say it's Hikaru Sato. Looking ahead of the year, I'm not going to be surprised if Atsuki ends up taking uh, junior of the year for me because he has done nothing but shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And honestly, Hayato is right at his heels um, he has done nothing but just completely shine in these uh, in these matches, and I would not be shocked if he overtakes it. Not if not this year, then in the next. 
Yeah, I think I'm in total agreement with you guys. And I would also say that uh, Hakoto Amori is in a position to be the dark horse as well. I think that we'll see what happens. I mean, like, we'll see what his showing against Tiger Match is like and what the rest of the year holds for us. But he is in a position just based off of how much momentum he has going right now. The, the like the closing finishes of his matches, particularly with Kodama, have shown um, how much he's grown in the last several months. In particular, he really could be the dark horse that comes the uh, the best junior weight at the end of the year for me. So we'll see. So now we move on to best match, and this was actually really hard for me. It was always between two matches. They both have amazing backstories, and I love their rivalry. I've actually swapped them. So many times, which one I picked and which one's an honorable mention. So I picked Jake versus Kento at Champions Life 4. I think the match was amazing. The moment Jake had, especially with Kobashi at the end, I loved just how happy he was. And he finally overcame Kento. This story's been going on for years. And it finally concluded in the best way. I'm not going to talk about what happened afterwards, but this match was just perfect. And it went by so quickly. It's just, oh, it was great. And, of course, my honourable mention is Yuma versus Kento for the Triple Crown Championship. You know I love that match. I love these two, but I have to give it to Jake versus Kento. Yeah, this one is really hard because there's so many good matches in this promotion this year. There's so many in particular that, like, that really like tug at my heartstrings. And I thought, Jesse, that I was going to go with yours as my number one but I have not, Whoa, um, but I have not, and that, and that could change. Cause like that, that could easily change when I was rewatching some of these bigger matches recently, what I ended up going back to was how much I loved Jake Lee versus Yuma Aoyagi in the triple or rather in the champion carnival finals. That to me has been the best match of the year for me. I loved it. I just love the two of them and their history together and what they bring together in a match I thought that match was so well paced. There were so many great spots in that match. And the ending stretch was incredible. I just really, I loved that match. I was really even like watching it again recently, just blown away by how much I love that match. My runner up, like my honorable mention would definitely be Jake Lee versus uh, Kendo Miyahara for the Triple Crown Championship for all the obvious for everything that just stated. But I could easily go, I could easily say Kendo and Yuma for the triple crown as well. I mean, like there's just, there's just so many great big matches this year. And uh, what was it? The next stream and was it next stream? And what's they're dead now. Runaway suplex. Yeah. <laughs> Tag match. I'm like mouthing it to you. <laughs> I forgot their name already. It's like a, like a whole lifetime ago. January was like, <laughs> January was a different lifetime ago. So yeah, they're just, they're just so many phenomenal matches this year, but I think those would be my two right now. Mine is the last man standing match. (laughs) (laughs) You picked the last man standing match? (laughs) It's just, it had everything I love. It had great storytelling. It had really fun character work. There was a guy with a knife. Um, That's that's really my requirement in this world is is a shit eating smile and holding a knife. And then, you know, just the classics of, Ashino just moving all the chairs out of the ring to just annihilate Honda with nothing but pure suplexes. Like it was just such a good little match. Um, but yeah, I, I think it stands out to me because it is a gimmick match and that's not something all Japan is necessarily known for, nor, you know, would it 
technically be like a match of the year or something you'd expect out of a, a last man standing match, but it, it stood out and it really was just, it blew me away. Um, but I do want to do a runner up to the champion carnival final and also, um, Jake and Kento, both of them in my mind were perfect matches, like truly just flawless. You could show them to anyone and they would be breathless kind of matches. And I can't, uh, can't ask for any more than that. But my personal favorite was the last man standing match. I do have to say, cause I've seen quite a few people lately saying they don't like last man standing matches. And if you're in that category, please watch the last man standing with Ashino and Honda it is perfect. It's not what you expect out of that kind of match. That's yeah, it's perfect. When we recorded this mat, the episode on that match, everyone said like both of you were just like, oh, I don't like last man standing matches. And I bit my fist because I actually really do like last man standing matches. Um, I do have a little bit of a guilty pleasure for them, but I do think it was probably one of the best last man standing matches I've ever seen. So for best moment, an honorable mention I have is the announce of going back to Budokan. I think that's a really big announcement and it is such a big moment for the company. For my number one, once again, I battle between two. I have to put Yuma win, winning Champion Carnival as second place and Jake finally beating Kento as first place just because of that story they've had and the rivalry they've had in how long it took to get there and Jake did it and it was perfect. I will say for sure my number one would be Jake defeating Kento for the triple crown because I really didn't expect it up until probably the, the package and then I was in shock for most of the match so when it actually happened it was like genuinely really shocking and then it was just really emotional and my runner-up is probably a little surprising but I would say like another moment that I would highlight is when Kento what Rachel I was, I'm, just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I got really close to the camera because I'm really excited and I'm trying to see if ours are the same. No, there's no way. Not for this one anyway. Okay. I don't think so. You'll probably remember because granted, I forgot to do my homework and I didn't do these in advance. I'm doing them as I'm thinking about them. My honorable mention would be Kento winning the Triple Crown at the beginning of the year in his match against Ryuki Honda, and I'll tell you why. I think that was the moment where people realized just how talented Honda was, like just what we had on our hands with who Honda was. So I think that that match is important for that alone. But I also think that people can be extremely disparaging when it comes to Kento Miyahara as the young ace of this company and people often need to be reminded of why he is the ace of this company and just how great he is and exactly why he is constantly put in this position where he has to lead the company forward when shit hits the fan so to speak and they were in a really rough spot after Jake got hurt so I think that moment is important for remembering just why Kento is the ace, but also just how good and exactly what kind of wrestler we have on our hands in Ryuki Honda. That is a good answer. It is not what I, well, I don't know what I expected, but it is not mine. <laughs> uh, no, my, my first one is also Jake winning the triple crown. It's hard to beat it. Um, my runner up is actually Sato and Ashino shaking hands. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I told you it would just be an Oshino fest. Yeah, no, I just, I thought it was good. I love callbacks. I love that. I love it calling back to Dan 
sort of forcing their hands together to them shaking hands willingly and then dragging Dan into the center. The only reason it's not number one is, well, Jake is Jake and it's just an incredible moment, but also because they did sort of drop it so that Ashino could go wear sunglasses with Honda, which I don't hate, but uh, there was a lot of storytelling potential that they didn't quite tap into, but the moment itself was utterly perfect. Next up, we have shocking moments. My runners-up are Voodoo Murders return full-time, not just that one-off show. Ashino showing up with Honda as a team who I might remind you, as Rachel did, that Honda tried to stab Ashino just a couple months before this. But my most shocking moment is Yuma leaving next stream, especially because he did on Twitter. He didn't say it in the ring. I remember I was like texting my friend or texting about what well, lollies we like to eat. And I was like, okay, while I'm waiting for her to reply, I'll just take, uh, check Twitter. And it's like, Yuma's like, oh yeah, by the way, I left next stream. And I was just like, what? I said what like a hundred times. I'm just like, how do you announce this on Twitter? This is so big. But it's Yuma. What do we expect? This one's so hard because it's off the cuff for Alicia. So now she has to remember what shocked her throughout the year. It's, I don't even know what wrestling I watch. I'm hoping. Rachel, what shocked me? You know. What What shocked you? What shocked me? Yuma and Jake tagging again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would probably be, that's a good number one. That shocked the shit out of me because I would not have been able to guess that going into, if you would like asked me in January, like what are your top five guesses for what's going to happen in All Japan this year? I would not have guessed that two former Next Stream members like that would have gotten back together to do whatever the fuck they're doing. Cause I, I don't know what this is. So like, this is like a weird little mini faction tag team thing where like they're hanging out. Atsuki's there being like, I want to be your little brother, Jake. Like, I don't know what's going on with that, but like, I would never have been able to guess that at the start of this year. So that's fascinating. Yeah. That shocked me. Still shocks me whenever I see the pictures. Oh, like, I guess, I guess everything that's happened with Nomura to me is like just mm, very, oh, yeah. very levels of shocking. I would guess, I think it's a good solid runner-up like I was so upset over the news in December when it seemed like he was walking out and then was going to be done with the promotion so him returning and we don't know what's where this is all leading and like why all this is happening and what's been a work and what's not been a work but the manner in which he has come back and now to see him in a ring and he's wrestling and he looks okay and he's all right you know like that is I think still shocking so I'm going to go with those moments it's just Yuma and Jake being a tag again in 2022, working together, and then uh, just Nomura being back in an all Japan ring after he suddenly like was gone for a while and then came back and then left again. Mine is Nomura's return because unlike you two who actually do your homework and pay attention to Twitter, I don't. And um, I didn't expect it. And I didn't listen to you guys, even though you kept telling me the signs. And I was a fool um, for not listening to you and it will never happen again. Um, but I didn't expect it to happen and it did. And yeah, I, um, I was completely floored. I was super, super shocked. And I'm hoping that my next shocking moment for the end of the year is Kento joining Voodoo Murders, but we'll see. <laughs> and now for our last award and it is the fashion award. What do we think was the best or worst fashion? What was our fashion moment? I have to say my runners up were Irie suit at the Champion Carnival press conference with his little bow tie. I thought it was adorable. 
Yuma's new gear is just so, so good. I love it so much. Also, in second place was Voodoo Murder Suama in his, like, party animal Hawaiian shirt. I just love it. But number one, I have to give to Ashino's grills because it was just so <laughs> shocking. I should have put this in shocking moments. I didn't expect it. And it just, it suits his character perfectly, who he is now with sunglasses. It was so funny. That's number one for me. This one I can do. So I'm going to say as like runner up would be Yuma because I think that his his new costume that he comes to the ring in is like stunning. I'm also like, I'm a huge glitter person. I love glitter. His is just, just all glitter and like sparkle. I just am obsessed with it. Like the colors are beautiful. His knee pads even are like, are beautiful. Like the way that all of it works together, it's just cohesive and gorgeous. So I, I really, I just love what he's done with his ring gear. Like that elevation from what his old ring gear was, was just phenomenal. It was, it was great. My number one, and I would also say too, another runner up, I'll agree with Jesse. So whatever Suwam is doing at press conferences now is phenomenal. It's great. Excellent stuff. But my number one is Ryuki Honda because his suit that he wears to, and granted, like what, looking at the, like at the Royal road press conference was funny because they all just wore the same suits as last time. Pretty much like everyone wore the same exact shit, except for Tatsu, I think who was really dressed down. We'll talk about that next month, but that suit that Honda wears is a great look for him. It's an excellent color, but Honda also got new gear once he got into the whole, like like the swing of things with Ashino and that new gear, like it's very understated. It's not the flashiest gear. It's not flashy in the same way that Yuma's gear is, but this change of gear for him looks fantastic. He also dyed his hair, a different shade of blonde that works so well for him. This works really well with his skin tone. He looks fantastic. So to me, like this is like just the year of, of Honda in terms of his, his fashion aesthetics, the hair, the sunglasses, everything works beautifully. His casual look is really good too. Like he just knows what looks good on him. Um, and he's absolutely going all in on it. I like that he uses these gold tones on pretty much everything. The gold in his gear looks great. Um, yeah, Honda's my number one as well. I couldn't think of anybody else that stood out to me more than that. Uh, he looked great. I liked Otsuki's new gear. And Yuma's looks good too. His coat is, I've always had issues with it because it's felt very blocky to me. And the silhouette hasn't changed with Yuma's new entrance coat, but they've added all of that glitter and um, new pizzazz to it. It's a lot flashier now, I guess. And so it sort of takes away from the um, blocky clunky look that it used to have. It's, it's still not, perfect for his frame but it's really really flashy and cool now so he looks good coming to the ring also yes voodoo murder suwama is perfect <laughs> all japan can be watched at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month every month has a mix of live and video on demand shows with video on demand shows uploaded the day after they were filmed or on summer occasions the day of filming as always, thank you for listening to Talking Triple Crown. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72. You can find me, Alicia, at Shiranui Kai with two eyes, and you can find both me and Rachel at Kickout 299. And you can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y Star. Please make sure that you subscribe to us or follow us on your preferred platform. It will really help us out as we continue to try to grow Talking Triple Crown and Kickout. Thank you once again and look out for our next episode as we'll be going through everything that happened during Royal Road.